Welcome to episode 227 of the Formula One Growth Talk podcast. Today we're here to discuss, review all of the action from 2022's Dutch Grand Prix qualifying session. My name is Ruby Price and joining me we have Joed Yacoub from Hit the Apex podcast. Hey everyone. F1 writer Olivia Cairo. Hello everyone. And Ellie Bishop from Along the Racing Line. Hi folks. But first, if you enjoy this podcast, we'd love it if you could take five to leave us a five-star rating on Spotify or a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, you'll automatically go into our monthly draw to win a Grid Talk t-shirt from our champion range of merch. And if you're one of the 69% of people who aren't yet subscribed to the channel, please consider helping us out with a like and a subscribe. Well, by the tightest of margins, home favourite Max Verstappen took pole position ahead of the two Ferraris at Zandvoort today. Joad, Talk me through how he achieved this, and given his recent form, can anything stop Max Verstappen winning tomorrow? I thought almost with the Ferraris being on form in qualifying spec this weekend that maybe they would have put a stop to him, but no, he pulled out that sensational lap right at the end of Q3. The first sector was down, um, but then the middle sector was just sublime to pull out that gap on him, and then in the end it was you know, two one hundredths of a second quicker than Leclerc far, like the smallest margin all season we've had in qualifying. So, and to see how um, dejected the Ferrari driver was afterwards, just, you know, puts it all into perspective. But then for Max, you know, he was saying before qualifying, the home crowd gives no advantage. I feel like, you know, that is kind of not true. You're always going to get that advantage on home soil. And given how you've got a sea of orange, you've got flares being thrown on the track, which is rather silly as well. Um, it's all very much in his favor. So yeah, you know, starting the weekend, not so much on the back foot, but like, you know, they had the problem with the gearbox on Friday and then just weren't fastest through any of the sessions until they got to qualifying. Yeah. Max is just in another uh, universe at the moment and you know given how he's on pole position he's just gonna sail off into the sunset i think tomorrow a bit of a repeat of the dutch grand prix last season then perhaps but olivia uh charles was saying one hell of a lap at the end of qualifying today um but his middle sector just wasn't quite quick enough and ultimately that seems to have cost him pole yeah no um it was literally just his middle sector that failed him um, because I think he was two hundredths off of, um, I mean, no, two, a very small margin between him and Verstappen for um, Paul. So um, it's interesting because the Ferraris do seem to have quite um, instantaneous uh, qualifying speed, but Max just did have the edge and I again um just I agree with Jawad on that uh I think the home crowd does have an advantage and I think that did kind of also push him over the edge into the first spot so sad for Charles you could see how um gutted and upset he was when he was done with um his lap and got out of the car because you could tell that he did really want it but he just didn't have what it took to get him over the edge yeah absolutely and ellie just a little bit further back but still very much in the running carlos signs set the fastest lap in q2 but ultimately we know q2 all that that matters is get through to q3 
do you think he had a chance of being ahead of Charles um, today? And how do you see Carlos's race unfolding tomorrow? Yeah, I think I think science is um, bringing not necessarily the kind of pace that it, it takes to overtake McLaren or indeed Verstappen, but I do think what the advantage that Ferrari are definitely going to have tomorrow is is to have P two and, and P three. You know, I don't think Hamilton is is coming to play. I, I think he's uh, or not coming to play in the sense like I think he's genuinely going to take quite a serious pace tomorrow so it's not a dead cert that Perez makes it that far up the ranks that quickly so I think that science offers a real opportunity for Leclerc now having said that I think Ferrari would be unwise to uh, stick with the current one-two that they've got at the moment I do think that Leclerc definitely has the pace over science especially around this track you know there are a few wobbles from from Leclerc, as we've discussed in in that middle sector, but to me, he's still he's still got it. He's still he's still there. He's still knocking those those times out above science. But I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that uh, science can play into a a useful Ferrari strategy tomorrow. If not, at least he's there to offer some buffer. <laughs> optimistic from ellie she wants a good ferrari well a useful i think was the actual term ferrari strategy we can't hope for good ferrari strategy but perhaps we can get something useful from it now that's part of our bold prediction later in the show but um yeah joad lewis hamilton um there is suggestion that if there hasn't been that yellow flag caused by Sergio Perez right at the end of qualifying, that Lewis Hamilton could have been P2 or at least maybe split the Ferraris. But we've seen a lot this season. The Mercedes has got, is more of a better race car than it is an actual qualifying car. Um, But because of how close it is, obviously, you know, do you think the Mercedes can get back into the podium positions that it obviously missed out on in Spa? Or do you think P4 is, you know, really where they're maxing out tomorrow no pun intended (laughs) um i don't think we should rule out that possibility particularly if uh ferrari don't deliver a useful strategy for both their drivers um yeah i don't have the exact numbers of the sector times that hamilton set on that final attempt before that yellow flag in sector three but um yeah from what you guys say it was looking pretty good and Toto Wolf as well seemed pretty disappointed that it wasn't um they weren't able to yield the fruits of that so yeah you know like you say they've got a better race car at the moment and we've seen them gain positions in a race and they just have the you know the race team the pit wall the strategist they can get that result out when their car doesn't necessarily have the base um it is nice to see i guess for all the people who would have been uh feeling down in the dumps after the margins at spa to see it having shrunk again at a shorter circuit like this as well and with more downforce less reliance on power and everything so i definitely think you know given how strong Mercedes were in in Hungary, which is a very similar track to this, that we might see them feature tomorrow and Hamilton for sure. I guess for Hamilton himself, you know, not having made a top three star all season might be there, you know, but I'm sure we'll see him break into that before the season is out. So, yeah, I wouldn't put it past them to move up a position or two. Yeah, and the good news as well is that 
Fernando Alonso for Lewis Hamilton is starting 10 positions back. So that should rule out a first lap collision between the two of them. Um, touch wood. It would, I think it would require something pretty spectacular to see Lewis Hamilton and Fernando Alonso come together on the first lap of Zamvort tomorrow. But hey-ho. Uh, Olivia, um, Sergio Perez was going rather well until he was not um, and facing the wrong way at that final corner in Zamvort. Um there were occasions during qualifying today where he did look a little bit at risk of like falling out of Q1 and then a little bit of the same in Q2. But ultimately, you know, he was right up there at the end of it, like up in P4, up in P5 and again as qualified P5 today. Um, how do you see him uh, getting on tomorrow? Um, the yellow flag, his spin at turn 13 does kind of um, irk everyone because it kind of stopped things in its track when everything was heating up. So I don't, just like you said, I, I really have no clue where I would place Sergio Perez because there was the potential to be really up there, um, even beyond his P5, uh, possibly splitting the Ferraris, maybe even ahead of Lewis in P4, um, just upper place. But just like you said, he also was at risk Um in Q1 and Q2, uh, so I don't I don't really know if it, it could have it could have gone either way, but I do think that um, he is in a good position to challenge um, both the Ferraris uh, t- tomorrow for to help Verstappen win again in his home um, in front of his home crowd because um, if he clears if he clears Hamilton really quickly that could make for um, a good campaign for him to just pressure the Ferraris. But I do worry that he might not have the pace to do so or might fall behind or just might falter under the pressure of being in front of such an orange crowd. And not, and I, I don't know. It, it, it could go either way with Sergio, but fingers crossed. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Ellie... George Russell will be kicking himself that his first run in Q3 was on the used soft tyres. And obviously, like, you know, hindsight is a wonderful thing. But with used tyres, chances are he'd be ahead of Sergio Perez right now, wouldn't he? Yeah, I think um, Perez's fight is not ahead of him. I think it's behind. I have to say I was pretty annoyed that we didn't get to the end of, of Russell's lap because I think it could have been pretty good. I, I don't think it was going to be seeing him on pole or anything like that, but um, I think it could have thrown him right into the mix. I think it's... We have a little bit of history of contact between Perez and Russell. We have a little history of, of, of George taking, you know, I would describe quite aggressive lines, but I, I think it's fascinating. I think it could be quite an interesting off the line, that moment there. But um, yeah, it's a shame he didn't get to see the end of, of that qualifying session in full. And it's a shame that they started out on those used tyres. Used I think that it would have been a different story if they hadn't. Yeah, absolutely would have done. Joad. Lando Norris has a new teammate for 2023. I think I probably should have mentioned that earlier. Um, Oscar Piastri obviously had the contact re- contract recognition board approve his McLaren contract, so he won't be um, tied to Alpine from the end of the season. But starting in P7, 
tomorrow will be a decent place for Lando to, you know, try and claw back some of that 20-point gap that Alpine have built up. Yeah, and doing it one-handed like he has been pretty much all season again. So, like you say, uh, qualifying ahead of the Alpines who didn't even make it into the top 10. It is one of those tracks where McLaren came and thought that they would be doing well at compared to everywhere else. You know, they seem to suit those high downforce tracks like Monaco and, and Hungary as well, and then this being one of it. So when that's the case, then, you know, it'd be nice if you had both cars up there, but we all know what the what the story is with the other car, but good to see Lando up there in seventh. And, you know, it's interesting having listened to him talk uh, on the Beyond the Grid F1 podcast about how the fact that he's actually had to adapt his style as well to suit this really ornate car that they've got this year just shows that how much hard work he's putting in. It's not all that the car's based around him and it's um, made to suit his style. He's had to put in a lot of work to adapt his driving style as well. And then when we get to see performances like this, it is quite good. And, you know, you really get to see how good Lando is um, comparing to, you know, teammates who won multiple races who are who came in highly rated and everything too so yeah i don't know how he'll fare tomorrow i think he'll just be hoping to finish six or seven hoping that they don't get a pit stop at the wrong time and come out in traffic like they did spark because that pretty much ruined their run there from getting points but yeah i think you know it's a solid job done for for lando and mclaren and p7 yeah, the only thing he will be disappointed, though, is if he'd set the same lap time that he did in Q2, he'd be ahead of George Russell right now. But, mm. you know, that's just, that's just, that. them's the breaks. Them's the breaks. <laughs> Olivia, uh, Mick Schumacher in the Haas, going rather well around Sandvoort this weekend, P8. Um, talk me through Mick Schumacher's race tomorrow. How is he going to uh, approach it? Um, I think the only way he can approach it is just by going forward <laughs> um, and just by hanging in there. Hopefully um, he does hang in there. I do think that he will be um, rather compromised by the fact that he is in a house. So um, other drivers will definitely come ahead and all he can do is just keep on pushing on. But I do think it goes without saying that a P8 for Mick is quite an achievement and quite um, an undertaking because he is in the limelight right now as a contender for um, other seats that are free within the grid. And this lap did seem to be a stamp in saying that he is able to withstand the, the tensions and the drive that's required for him to be in other teams. But yeah, all he can do is just hang in there and ward off any spins from Yuki behind him <laughs> that could take him out. But yeah. Yeah. And speaking of Yuki Sonoda, Ellie, um, just managed to pit uh, Esteban Ocon, I think it was, to P10 uh, in Q2. Um, but other than that, a very quiet session for Yuki Sonoda. Um, tell, talk me through his, as with I just said about Mick Schumacher, talk me through his race um, preparations for tomorrow because... What Yuki's needed is just consistency, really. Yeah, I I was sort of 
I, I think Yuki is one of the drivers that has slightly flown under the radar this season. Um, I was having a little look back at uh, a couple of his results and, you know, he's had, I believe this is his fourth Q, Q3 appearance, I think. Um, but he's, and there's been a number of races where he's obviously gone backwards. He's taken a few spins. Um, I, that being said, I don't, I don't think the Avatari is probably the easiest car to drive at the moment. Um, it's, it's not provided the results that it has done in previous years. That's for certain. I think Yuki's focus is perhaps on not getting too stuck behind a train of, of cars. I think there's potential for a little bit of traffic. Example, it's a short circuit. It's he's kind of in and around a couple of other drivers. You know, Mick. He's got Lance behind him. I think Lance could take him potentially pretty quickly. Um. You know, it was a shame Lance didn't get didn't uh, not to not to jump to the to the next drive, but it's a shame he didn't get to sort of get that that Q three performance. Uh, it would have give us a, a better understanding of of what Yuki stands against. But I think as if he can keep it on straight and narrow, I think there's the opportunity tomorrow for a few few good points. Uh, again, I'm I'm not sure to how how far he can go with that um, without capitalising on the misfortune of others, but. There's the opportunity there for a little bit of consistency if you can just keep it, keep it going, keep it straight. Yeah, absolutely. Bit of consistency is all Yuki's really needed this season after, let's say, a tumultuous season last time around. But Joad, it was actually kind of disappointing for Lance Stroll to be ruled out of Q3 because, you know, he was up in P4 for, I think, at least one of the qualifying sessions at the end. That Aston Martin was actually going rather well around here. And I think an element of that comes to like that more armchair style rear wing they introduced a couple of races ago. Yeah, like the upgrade is working for them at particular circuits and this being one of them and seeing Stroll as high as fourth was like, wow, what what's going on? Is he um, trying to emulate what he did back in 2017? Uh, at the Italian Grand Prix, which is around this time as well. And he started second in the grid that day because of a couple of grid penalties. But yeah, you know, solid job from him as well, considering where his teammate qualified in this one. Uh, they didn't get to set a lap time in Q3 because of a technical issue, I believe. So um, yeah, like you guys were suggesting that he could possibly have been quicker than Yuki or, you know, at least we would have got a a gauge as to how he would rate against the Alpha Tauri. But I have a feeling that, you know, given that there will be a lack of overtaking around here, he will just do what Albon did in Spa and just make that Aston Martin as wide as possible to hang on there. But, um, you know, as long as he can survive the opening lap, because that's kind of around the place where, it's you're in the danger zone on the opening lap. And I just have this vision of cars going into turn three, taking the high line, taking the low line and just something going wrong. So yeah, Stroll will just have to cross his fingers and toes that nothing goes wrong in that instance, because he could have some places to gain or he could have his afternoon to lose. Absolutely. Yes. Olivia, Pierre Gasly's been struggling in his Alpha Tauri this weekend and only managed P11 today. Um, do you think there was a chance of him getting into Q3? And 
Um, starting in P11, obviously, Joe has just mentioned this, the danger zone. Would you start on the softs, mediums, or hards for that exact reason? Um, yeah, no, it is the danger zone, and he has been struggling. Um, I do think that uh, he was done in by his own teammate, Yuki. Um, he was just um, about to get into Q3, and then Yuki came in with his lap and relegated him into P11. Um it's a scary place that he's in because he is right in front of both Alpines and they've been going quite strong. I think the top of the midfield right now. Um, and so he does have quite a task ahead of him tomorrow. I don't think it would be, it, it would be in his best interest to start in, uh, on the soft because he would be able to kind of gain um, quite a gap between himself and the other two drivers behind him, um, but it wouldn't play to the longevity of his race. Um, and so I would say he would be playing it safe by starting on the medium, which I do think many drivers are planning on doing so tomorrow. But um, yeah, no, I think it would be smart to stay on the, to stay on the mediums, kind of keep it within P11, maybe up a place or into the points or staying within where he's qualified but um going on the softs would be a, i think detrimental in the long run to his running so yeah i'll stick with mediums stick with mediums yes ellie alpine are supposed to be the fourth best team on the grid and yet they're starting p12 and p13 tomorrow with esteban on just knocking out alonso and then getting knocked out himself do you think they're going to have any chance of getting up the grid tomorrow, considering, you know, just how many cars there are ahead of them? I think it'll be a tall order. I think that um, they are going to have to fight for this one a little bit, for certain. I think that, again, they've got to just decide what, they, what they're what they doing. You know, when there's two teammates who are next to each other in um, any given race, it's there are decisions that need to be made about that. And I think especially we've seen over the last season that Ocon and Alonso have got the capacity to race each other, race each other pretty hard, and sometimes to the detriment of the overall race for Alpine. So I think that Ocon faces the you know, challenge of, of, of getting past a few people on track. That being said, I think people like Mick, I think people like Yuki, Pierre, potentially are a little out of order, a little out of place. He can get past them if if he, if he plays it right. He can get past them. Let's face it. But with Alonso coming up behind, what's going to happen there? That could make for quite an interesting start off the grid, anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And following on from that, Joad, um, if you're Alpine and you need to enact team orders, who do you prefer? Do you prefer Esteban Ocon, who is you know signed with Alpine for the foreseeable future, or do you? prefer Fernando Alonso, who is a driver that can extract the maximum out of a car, but has already told Alpine he's got no interest in being with them past the end of this season. I reckon they'll try and be diplomatic about it as much as they can and uh, just go with whoever is faster in the situation. So, And at times we've seen them put, in that under the, put into that situation throughout the year and they have 
kind of favoured whoever is ahead or whoever is quicker. And Ocon has been that driver in in situations. So by all means, I feel like Ocon will um, Ocon can be quicker and get try and get ahead. Whether Alonso is faster, then we'll see what happens and whatnot. And at the end of the day, even if he's leaving or if he was staying, it's about that P4 and the Constructors' Championship. And at the moment, with the way the grid's looking, you know, they've got no points in the bag, whereas McLaren have some points with Lando there. So they're going to have to try and get at least one car into the points, if not both. Alonso, he did kind of blame Perez for um, impeding him at the end of Q2. So whether that would have made a difference for him to get into the top 10, it's unknown. But yeah, looking how both cars got knocked out in Q2, they seem to have been only good enough for that in qualifying. But they've done well in terms of their strategies as well this season. So I think we can expect a bit more from them in the race. But yeah, answering the question from before, um, I think they'll just judge it purely on who is faster in the situation because they can't afford to be in the headlines for silly reasons anymore, can they, after this week? Yeah, there have been some rather embarrassing headlines on behalf of Alpine, but that was a very di- diplomatic answer from you there, Joad. So um, well done on avoiding my question. Um, well, I say avoiding, you gave an answer. It just wasn't the answer I was expecting. Um, Olivia, uh, Zhou Guan Yu, the team congratulated him on a good qualifying performance when Q2 finished whilst he was in P14. Um, Do you consider P14 for Alfa Romeo to be a good qualifying performance? And if not, where should they be as a team? It's difficult to place Alfa Romeo um, because they do seem to be... um, up and down but i will say for joe specifically p14 is a good qualifying um position which is so sad because he's had quite a tumultuous season uh with five dnfs um just things tending to go horribly wrong for him but i will say from my standing point it's hard to place Alfa Romeo, just as it is for me as well, hard to place Aston Martin because they do seem to have um, a lot of things going on and it's it's a lot. But I I I I will say it's 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 a good it's P fourteen is good for Joe. Um, will he hold on to it? I don't know because he has Alex Albon right behind him and he does seem to have been doing quite well recently and he does seem to have had quite a good grip on his podium. So um, I don't think it's going to be that great of a race for Joe, but he's outqualified his teammate, um, which is definitely a great thing to have, a great statistic to have um, with the season that he's had so far. So again, fingers crossed for him. Hopefully it does go well. Stick holds on to P14, doesn't go too far down. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. You know, he's beaten Valtteri Bottas, who had that monumental escaping Q1 streak, which obviously ended in Spa and has now continued this week time. But we'll get on to that in a second. Um, Ellie, Alex Albon, every time he was on camera in qualifying, he was completely out of sync with the rest of the grid. And ultimately, like, that did end up sort of harming him a little bit at the start of Q2 when... We obviously got that red flag from 
the idiot that threw a flare onto the track. Um, although I, I was unsure of whether that was on used or new tyres. I couldn't quite figure that out. I was going to say, I think it was on new tyres because uh, that was a real sort of bugbear for him was the fact that he had to sort of return with these with these new tyres that he couldn't get the max performance out of. So, um, yeah, it was a frustrating se- session, I would say, for Alex. I think there was the potential for him to maybe kind of push it a little bit further. I think I think a Q2 performance for a Williams is, is an excellent thing to see um, at any race. But I think the you know, Q1, he put in a pretty strong time. Uh, again, he was hampered slightly by flares and pigeons and, you know, new tyres in, in Q2. He's he's relentlessly cheerful, Alex Albon, and that's that's what I think is so fantastic about him. He's, you know, we talk about Daniel Ricciardo having this smile. I think that Alex Albon just has fun with it, and he just goes for it. And um, I can't tell what will happen for him tomorrow. They might pull some hairbrain scheme, and he's in P10 by the end of it. Who knows? But I think that it's probably quite safe to say that he just keeps on straightening straight and narrow and pushes through and hopefully he can end with a with a decent result for a Williams. Yeah, certainly a lot more cheerful this season that he's in that Williams team as opposed to the previous but one season where he was in a Red Bull when no one was talking about him in a positive light, um, with the exception of like a handful of diehards, but you know, we've all got them. Um Joad, uh Valtteri Bottas unfortunate to not make it out of Q1 or just not good enough on the day? Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. There's not much really to say about that. And he just couldn't get the lap time out of it in that instance. And he got beaten by his teammate as well. So that won't look good on the record, but he's been pretty good this year otherwise. So it just seems like an outlier and, you know, along with Spa. So just hope that tomorrow he doesn't uh, run into Latifi again. Otherwise, you know, that's his day done. But, yeah, just bring the car home and we'll see if uh, he can finish any higher than 15th or 16th, 16th where he qualified. Yeah, absolutely. Olivia, Daniel Ricciardo, thinking about what to spend his 21 mi- well, I think rumoured um, 21 million on, or is he just struggling still? I feel like P17 is just like the nail in the coffin that has been the past like few weeks. Um, the discrepancy in performance between um, just, I mean, the, the gap in performance between him and Lando in there's 10 places between the two of them. I don't think that it, 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 I don't think that you can completely blame it on Ricardo and his performance. Cause I do think that there was a leak yesterday in FP2 in the car that did cause some kind of panic in his garage. Um, but it, it's, it's sad to see how things are going um, for Ricardo. Um as you can tell, I'm kind of a Ricardo fan, but um, I, 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 I honestly don't see it going up tomorrow. Um, I do see a stagnation. I, I'm not very optimistic the way things have been going. At least he has the rumoured 21 million to soften the blow a bit. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. I, it's, it's so hard to 
be optimistic because you never know if it's going to be a good day or a bad day. And if it's a good day, is it going to be that good of a day up in the points or that or a good day as just three points gained? I mean, three places gained um, from where he started. So it's it's hard to know how things will go as well. Um, but again, just hoping to be optimistic for him. Yeah, a very optimistic for a very smiley gentleman who is currently fighting for a seat on the grid next season or just thinking about where to go next. But Ellie, uh, Kevin Magnuson, when you look at where his teammates finish, which is P8, um, will be disappointed being uh, six tenths of a second. Yeah, six tenths of a second off his teammate in Q1 and ultimately out in Q1 in P18. Um, what can K Mag do tomorrow? to try and at least close up that gap if possible. And, um, you know, do you see him bouncing back in Italy? Yeah, I think that was a disappointing day for K-Mag for certain. Uh, he's He's got more pace than that, I think. Uh, I think he's definitely the sort of driver who, you know, there's a bit of resilience there. There's a bit of hardiness. He's a bit of a fighter. He likes a scrap. I don't know how much he can do to bring this back here, but I think Monza again. It's 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 another it's another race. It's another day. It's another weekend. Hopefully, he can channel that frustration and get a better result out of it. I think it does speak actually more volumes of Mick than it does Kevin in this situation. I do think Mick has been improving. I think you know it'd be nice to see him translating a few of these great kind of uh you know qualifying performances that he's had recently into some some good uh, race results i think that's a strength that kevin has had over over him over the last well season really but yeah he should be frustrated by that i'm sure he will be i'm sure he doesn't need uh doesn't need people on a podcast telling him that but yeah it's a bit of a shame uh i think that there was potential for more yeah, absolutely. And another driver, Joad, who had potential for more. Sebastian Vettel set a purple first sector, I believe a green middle sector, and then just lost it in the final corner. Um, he did a Perez before Perez started doing it. Um, unfortunate for Seb. Can he bounce back tomorrow? Yeah, it'll be hard from the back of the grid, but you'd hope that he can. It just, you know, oh looking at his teammate get into the top 10 and then not be able to go and set a lap time there just begs to wonder what Seb could have done. You know, we saw him, I think it was in Hungary, he got in the top 10 Q3. So I thought it would have been similar, but um, yeah, we'll just be ruining the fact that he didn't get there. Um, he stays out of trouble. He gets through the first few laps gets out of traffic with his strategy. I'm sure we could see the pace of that car because it was quick or it has been quick throughout the weekend. So I'm sure they could easily pick off a few guys when they um, come into the pits and undercut them and whatnot. But, um, you know, again, to see the lost opportunity of of those um, first two sectors, I think, yeah, he'll be very disappointed with that. And, you know, given that these are the last, you know, 
few qualifying sessions that we've got left of Sebastian Vettel, who, you know, once upon a time was the qualifying master when he was in the Red Bull. You know, we're not going to see him get a pole position in an Aston Martin, but it would be nice to see him get up there into Q3 and, and show us what he uh, was capable of doing once upon a time. So, yeah, hopefully he has a better race as a result of it. Yeah, absolutely. And to round off the grid, Olivia, Nicholas Latifi, P20 in his Williams. As predictable as it is for Max to be winning races at the minute, just how unlikely is it that Nicholas Latifi is ever not going to be qualifying P20? I think he has reserved P20. It's his and his alone. Um, But it is sad to see because you do have to compare Latifi to Albon and Albon's P15 speaks volumes because you know that there is more potential in his car than, and there's more potential for him to keep on going. But we can't exactly translate that into Nicholas Latifi's um, standing P20 in and out qualifying FP1, FP2, FP3 race ending P20. There is not much that you can um, say for Nicholas in that you. the only way he can move forward is if, someone does not finish and that's very sad and um it is sad because you do wish and hope for more because you are an f1 and he is at risk of losing his seat um it's not talked about as much but you do hear things going through the rumor mill um and yeah no it is sad but again you can't really expect much from the tv so yeah. I guess we have one result that we know will be standing tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I think an element of why we don't hear as much speculation over who's getting the Williams seat for 2023 is because right now, who'd want to be in the Williams? You know, mm-hmm. they are, they're basically solid last mm-hmm. in the teams. And yeah, it's just, it's unfortunate, especially when you consider the rich history that that team has. You know, even 10 years ago, they were finishing P2 and P3 um, in races. It's just unfortunate. And a stat that actually got listed off during the race was that since they uh, signed that engine deal with Mercedes, they finished every single position on the grid, apart from first. Um, and I doubt it's going to be Latifi that gives them that, but you never know. Like, it's Formula One, weird things happen. Um, And speaking of making predictions, it's time for us to predict tomorrow's podium. So I think I'm going to start with the obvious answer based on recent form, based on the fact that no matter where he starts, whether it's P14, P10, P2, he's going to win it. It's Max Verstappen. That's who I'm predicting to be on the top step tomorrow. But Joad, are you following the trend or are you going for something a bit more bold? Oh, if I do bold, I'll never be allowed in, in the Netherlands, and I do wish to visit there one day. Um, yeah, I'll do Max for the win, but I'm going to go Hamilton P2, and let's just say Charles Leclerc finally ends up back on the podium in P3. So that's my top three. So long as uh, Ferrari don't pit him for a fastest lap when someone is within pit oh, range, you mean, of no. course. <laughs> that that. That would definitely stop him being on the podium. But Olivia, your podium prediction, please. 
Um, my podium prediction will be Max P1 because, and um, I'm gonna go with uh, Mercedes two and three positions, both of them. So, okay. yeah. Now that I I want to see this race now, um, <laughs> the race that has that actual finishing. Well, maybe I'd want to see everything but P1 um, yeah. because we know what's going to happen there. Ellie, what's your um, podium prediction? Well, I mean, I was going to say Verstappen, Hamilton, Leclerc, but I can't say that now, can I? Because we can't all agree. Um, no, I, I, I think that that's the most realistic end here. I think to potentially we could see two Mercs on the podium. I'd be quite happy with that. Um, but this is Verstappen to lose. <laughs> if he if he doesn't just drive off into the distance at the beginning, I will be very surprised. Um, and I think that Leclerc and Ferrari have a fair bit to do to actually defend that position because Hamilton is definitely coming for them pretty fast. He's pretty pretty hot, hot on the heels. Hot on the heels and chasing that one win that he needs to keep the streak of, you know, a win in every season that he's ever raced in um, going, which would, it would be like, you know, showing my biases, it would be a shame for that streak to end, um, particularly, you know, like after what was 2021. Um, But that's just me. Um, So... Uh, now to give you guys a chance to just share a bit of your own platforms. Joad, you're from Hit the Apex. Give us a bit of a pitch. Where can people find you? Yep, so you can find um, Hit the Apex podcast on all the good podcast platforms, such as your Apple, Spotify, Google, and uh, whatnot. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Hit the Apex Media occasionally, but then there is a link tree. You can follow me through to Instagram and to the website I write for called The Raw, where I do my live blogging for the races and everything. So, yep, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, I go and follow the Hit the Apex. Olivia, you're an F1 writer. Where can people find what you're writing and all of that jazz? I run the University of Toronto's F1 articles on the sports section, so you can find my... Um, articles on my Twitter page, which is Cairo Olivia. Um, yeah. Awesome. And Ellie, you're from Along the Racing Line. Where can people find you and all that jazz again? <laughs> so, yeah, we are a collection of all female writers, uh, oh, sorry, all female led uh, group. And we have our platform. You can find us on line at along the racing line.com or on twitter 80 racing line we are sort of focusing on our interviews at the moment and we've just released a fantastic one with tatiana calderon uh she's super cool and it was fantastic to see her pop back into f2 so you can find that on our website alongside other content such as interviews with Callum Islet. I'm definitely checking that out after the show. And if anyone wants to find me, I'm on the socials at Rubes, R-U-U-B-E-Z, or 001 if you're on Instagram because someone beat me to it. I'm annoyed about that um, from a branding perspective. But other than that, you can find me on the Grid Talk podcast, of which we have plenty of previous shows. But I've just realized I missed a very important part of our show, which is the bold predictions. 
So this is the predictions that just a little bit, you know, there's, there's you, you, you doubt it a little bit, if not a lot. And Jawad, let's let's get your bold prediction, please. I was wondering if we were doing this or not. Um, I don't know if this is quite bold or whatnot, but I have to go both Schumacher and Stroll to score points tomorrow. At least one element of that is bold. Um, but it was very, it was a very strong performance from Mick today. So you never know. Um, <laughs> subversion of expectations. There we go. Olivia, your bold prediction, please. I don't know if this is bold or just not too bold, but I will say um, Sergio Perez on podium. Uh, I do think he will be kind of uh, compromised by um, Max and just keeping Max in P1, but I'm keeping my fingers crossed and hoping for my bold prediction to come true. Yeah, absolutely. And just to throw in one from our producer, Aiden, Latifi P1. Now that's bold. Um, And Aiden, that's why you're the producer. Um, Ellie, what's your bold prediction, please? Lando podium. Why not? Let's say it. P3 Lando. He's going to do it. He's going to push through. Everyone in front of him will crash and it'll just be Lando on the podium. It'll just remind me of um, when they were still doing the F1, like, E-Pre, uh, when, obviously, COVID was happening and it was just Lando bot winning. <laughs> um, so uh, Ellie's predicting Lando having technical issues tomorrow, so he can't actually connect to the race. Um, and my bold prediction is that we're not going to see a single bloody flare. That's how bold I'm going. Um, but I doubt it a lot. Um and on that note, uh, Grid Talk is available on YouTube where most episodes are recorded live. We'll also be doing a bit of a post show on YouTube. So if you're still watching right now, stick around, ask us some questions. We'll answer them in the chat um, and on the stream. Um, but we're also available as well on Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, Omni Studio and Pocket Casts. Just search Formula One Grid Talk for our huge back catalogue of shows with previews and reactions to qualifying and race results, as well as the occasional interview. Um, please consider supporting the channel on Patreon so we can get mics, lights, and better recording equipment. You can also get your hands on some official Grid Talk merchandise on f1chronicle.com forward slash store. And also make sure you subscribe so you're the first to know when each new episode is released every week. We'll be back tomorrow with plenty more F1 content and especially a review of a flareless Zandvoort experience. It's going to happen. Please let it happen. Um, but thank you very much for listening and goodbye.